Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to AOA on this Friday, March 4th. Today, I've got to give a big shout out and thank you to our friends at WRAM, 1330 AM on the dial in Monmouth, Illinois. I'm using their studios today. They've been a longtime affiliate. Always appreciate all of the stations out there in the countryside who make sure that AOA is getting out to the listeners. Folks, we've got a lot to happen on the show today. Crude oil today, still trading higher. West Texas Intermediate at April trading over $113. We're going to be checking in with Dr. Ellen Wald of Transversal Consulting about just where this thing could go from here. In segment two, we're talking with Cam Quarrel, CEO of the National Potato Council. They just wrapped up their annual gathering in Washington, D.C. They've got some things they're looking for here in this farm bill that's to come in 2023. In segment three, we'll be talking with Rob Brenneman. He's on the board for the National Pork Producers Council, and there's some push from activist investors looking to get just station stalls out of the supply chain, notably for McDonald's. Rob's got an update on that. And at the end of the show, we're going to talk with Natalie Berg, board member of the National Association of Wheat Growers. So stay with us on AOA for the day. But first, let's focus on this oil industry. Let's talk natural gas. Joining me is Dr. Ellen Wald of Transversal Consulting. Ellen, whew, we are still moving. Is there a top getting close in this crude oil market? What do you think? You know, I, I, I'm not sure that we are close to the top. It's interesting because just a couple months ago, uh, we thought that uh, some of the calls for crude to hit uh, 120 a barrel were kind of outlandish. Maybe it's possible could hit that by June or July in the heat, you know, in the, the, the high point of the summer driving season. And uh, Brent is over 115 now, so 120 is really not at all out of the question right now. Yeah, it is within shouting distance. Ellen, I wanted to have you on, and I'm excited we get a chance to talk today because OPEC had a meeting earlier this week. I know everybody is looking for additional sources of crude oil. Did OPEC come up with anything new? What did we learn from their meeting? We basically learned, and this was apparently the shortest meeting on record, lasted 13 minutes, that OPEC is staying the course with their uh, very modest, uh, their commitment to very modest increases in production. The entire OPEC plus group is going to raise production, or raise their production quotas by 400,000 barrels a day uh, in April. And what that means, though, is that we're not necessarily going to see an increase in production of that much because a lot of the members of this group aren't even able to increase their production. We're really just looking at increases from Saudi Arabia, the UAE, possibly Kuwait, possibly Iraq, although they've had to take some of their production offline recently for some maintenance. It's expected to come back in mid-March, but uh, you know we'll, we'll have to see uh, how that goes. And uh, of course, Russia, which uh, is having trouble selling its uh, crude oil anyway. So we really can't look to the OPEC group for any kind of significant uh, extra extra source of crude oil at this point. However, uh, because OPEC it does meet every month, and they always affirm that if market conditions warrant, they will uh, get together, hold another meeting, and uh, could change their their course. So right now they are uh, firmly committed to not uh, producing that much more. All right. So slow but steady potential gains coming from OPEC. Well, I heard yesterday Nancy Pelosi was asked about banning Russian oil, really eliminating their imports. She said, yes, ban it all. Ellen, what happens to the crude oil markets domestically if we say we're banning Russian crude? Well, here's, here's the interesting thing. The U.S. doesn't actually import that much Russian crude. And in fact, um, the imports that we have been been, ha been making of Russian crude have been very a fairly recent phenomenon, and um, are most likely just um, because we um, we put sanctions on Venezuela 
fruit. And so very recently, you know, starting really in, in 2020, were we uh, only importing some Russian crude, I think, to, to compensate for that because some of the blends of Russian crude are comparable to what we were getting from Venezuela. Um, at the moment, there really isn't very much Russian crude even headed to the U.S. So I don't think that, that a ban on Russian crude oil imports would actually have that much of an impact on U.S. Uh, gasoline prices. However, uh, what we could see is if they decide to ban the import of uh, petroleum products from Russia, because the U.S. has been a rather consistent importer of petroleum products, gasoline, other refined products from Russia over the years. It's not a, a massive amount, but in uh, 2021, we did. Uh, they were one of our largest uh, sources of refined products. So uh, I think the impact that this could have on energy prices in the U.S. depends uh, precisely on what, what they're looking to ban. All right. Well, let's also take a look at the crude oil, or excuse me, natural gas market, because that is another massive export coming out of Russia. As we know so far, Ellen, natural gas exports from Russia are continuing uninterrupted. Have you heard that as well? Yes, um, I ha haven't seen anyone um, talking about about not um, importing natural gas from Russia. In fact, it does seem like some of the the stalls that were happening uh, in terms of of the flow of natural gas from Russia to the rest of Europe are actually being reversed, and there is more natural gas now. Some countries like. Italy have been talking about increasing their natural gas uh, in, intake from, say, Algeria because they're concerned about the potential availability of Russian natural gas. And, of course, there is a potential for Russian natural gas that flows through Ukraine to be significantly disrupted uh, just due to the uh, military activity that's going on there. Yeah, that certainly seems like a risk. And just the general push of Europeans away from Russia. Ellen, I'm wondering, can we ramp up liquefied natural gas production and, and exports enough to capture some of this European market for American producers? I would say we can definitely capture some of the the market for American producers, and in fact, we have. Um, there was kind of a almost a, it looked like a flotilla of American LNG uh, cargoes headed toward toward Europe um, last month, uh, and so there's definitely a potential for that. Of course, you know we're limited because um, you know it's been quite difficult to get a lot of these LNG. Um, facilities built and permitted and and going, but that has ramped up in recent uh, in recent years. So I, I think that there's definitely potential for the U.S. to help supply that. Part of the the limiting factors, though, are that Europe doesn't have nearly as many LNG terminals because they focus on pipelines from Russia. So uh, you know there are certain uh, limitations in terms of what Europe can accept which European countries actually have LNG terminals, and, uh, and of course, the uh, production of natural gas in the United States. Yeah, a lot of factors at play there. It'll be interesting to see this play out. We will keep turning to Dr. Ellen Wald for Insight. Ellen, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And folks, stick around when AOA returns. We'll be talking with Cam Quarles about the Washington fly-in for the National Potato Council. Don't go anywhere. AOA will be right back. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Progressive Farmer knows you need content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we've created our weekly podcast, Field Posts, to bring you convenient and easy to listen to interviews on key topics and trends. Join me, Sarah Mock, as I interview some of agriculture's best thoughts. You'll have a front row seat to learn what's happening in agriculture today. You can view our library of podcasts and upcoming topics by going to dtnpf.com backslash field posts. Heading to Commodity Classic in New Orleans this year? Be sure to stop by the UPL booth to talk with their crop specialists. We also have some exciting news we'll be unveiling that you won't want to miss. Mike Pearson of Agriculture of America will be broadcasting live from the UPL booth on Thursday, March 10th from 9 to 10 a.m. Stop by booth 
5320 or listen live at 9 a.m. on the Agriculture of America radio network. We look forward to seeing you at this year's Commodity Classic in New Orleans. Oh, nice engine. Supercharged? Yep. High porosity and aggregates? Yep. Porous medium for gas exchange? Uh-huh. Microbial catalytic potential and repository for carbon and nitrogen? Check, check, and check. Oh, man, that is good under the hood. And to think I used to be impressed with hammies. So, when was the last time you looked under the hood at your farm's production engine? At your soil? Is it as healthy and productive as it can be? Stop by your local USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out and unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by NRCS and this radio station. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Keeping farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back to AOA, ladies and gentlemen. Do appreciate you making us a part of your day here on this Friday. You know, the winter season is the time a lot of farmers have the chance to get together. We call it the education season. We've got planting, we've got spraying, we've got harvest, and then learning. And that's the season we're in right now. Farmers are getting together across the country in a lot of different commodity groups, planning for the future. We've got to talk about these policies well in advance before we can get anything done in D.C. or in state capitals. Well, one of the groups that just wrapped up their annual meeting in Washington, D.C. is the National Potato Council. Cam Quarles, their CEO, joins us today. Cam, how was it getting back in touch with everybody in person in D.C. this year? Mike, it was it was great. I, I think to a person with all of our attendees, and we had a, a huge group here in town, um, every single one of them said it is so great to be back in person. We're not on cameras and our computers. Uh, we're, we're actually able to to uh, sit across the table from each other, discuss these really important issues that, that you mentioned. Uh, we had a number of great members of Congress come in. They said the same thing, too. They said, gosh, I, I haven't been before a room this big in almost two years. So uh, it, it was it was strange how normal it all felt. So it, it was just, it was a great week for us. Well, good. And, and even though it feels a little bit normal, the situation we're in right now, Cam, is anything but normal. As you were talking to your growers and your members from around the country, what were some of the main concerns they brought with them to Washington, D.C.? Well, I think the thing that we're hearing over and over again, Mike, and you've talked on this show about it a number of times, uh, clearly uh, the explosive increases in input uh, costs, uh, th those are on everyone's mind. Supply chain, we're an export-dependent commodity, as a number of uh, uh, American commodities are. Uh, the, the difficulties in actually getting your, your crop to, um, to these valuable foreign markets, uh, it, that's just, it, it's overhanging everything right now. It's impacting both the crop that we harvested last year and now as we're looking to plant here in another month or so, um, that's really weighing on everybody's minds. 
Yeah, that trucking issue is going to be a long tail effect of these supply chain disruptions. Cam, did you have any insights from the folks in D.C. as to improvements being made broadly to the supply chain system, specifically for the potato crop? Well, I think that, you know, the challenge that the federal government has is uh, they have relatively few tools that they can use to really uh, to to uh, impact a global supply chain imbalance or breakdown, however you want to call it. Uh, I think there are some measures that they're very interested in in taking. Uh, USDA has been very active in working with some of the commercial seaports about uh, building uh, some temporary intermodal facilities, container uh, storage facilities that they can hopefully alleviate some pressure with. And then also Congress is moving to the extent that Congress moves fast on anything, they are moving relatively fast on what's called the Ocean Shipping Reform Act that seeks to address some of these these challenges. Again, not going to be a magic wand, but I, I think it's a reflection that everybody is very focused on what is clearly a supply chain that's not serving us as it typically does, and that that's going to impact us both now and into the future. Yeah, I think you are exactly right about that, Cam. Another issue that I know is important to potato producers well, and the ag industry as a whole is farm labor. I know the Farm uh, Workforce Modernization Act passed the House last year. Have you heard any more insight? Are we going to get any substantial farm workforce labor reform in 2022? Well, that's the big push right now, Mike. As you said, the, the House has passed it in two successive uh, Congresses. Um, the Senate is really where the, all the action is. Uh, we need the Senate. They don't need to do something perfect, but the Senate does need to Im- improve, uh, reciprocate on what the House has done, move that bill along, much like how we address a farm bill. Farm, farm bills are never, are never perfect when they start out, and they're, they're very imperfect throughout the process, but eventually we get something to the president's desk that, that will work for U.S. agriculture. We've got to take that same approach with with ag labor reform. Uh, clearly, you've you've seen it in these explosive uh, uh, wage increases that the federal government sets for the guest worker program. Uh, just simply challenges with getting workers into the United States. There are some some requirements, some burdens on them to cross the cross the border. All of that needs to be addressed in what we hope is a reformed uh, ag labor system. And really, the only game in town right now is this Farm Workforce Modernization Act. All right. Well, we'll continue to keep an eye on it. We'll see what can come through Washington, D.C. While you're talking about the Farm Bill, Cam, I was wanting to ask you about the Specialty Crop Farm Bill Alliance. I know you've had a couple meetings now of this alliance. Could you fill us in on what you're working together to, to put together? Yeah, so uh, the Specialty Crop Farm Bill Alliance, you know, the, broadly under the Specialty Crop banner, Mike, uh, you're talking about over 300 different commodities, and they're all grown in different places in a little bit different way, um, but they're all lumped into one uh, term of specialty crops. And for years, uh, those those 300 different commodities would provide three or 600 different great ideas to Congress on how to improve the farm bill, but the problem was the volume was just too much. And so what we have done over over the last 20 years is sit down as a group, uh, fruits, vegetables, uh, uh, wine grapes, tree nuts, we all get around the table and agree on, well, what we can agree on, uh, priorities for the industry that really matter broadly. And that's provided a huge benefit, I think, to Congress as well as to the administration in saying here are resources that we can target under the farm bill that will make a difference for a sector of agriculture that's over 50 percent of farm gate value before we assembled the specialty crop farm bill alliance specialty crops even though they have a huge impact on consumers as well as the ag economy they really were bit players in the in the farm bill debate A, a lot of that was our own making and so we've really tried to to um, take the bull by the horns, to, so to speak, and, and uh, 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 assemble ourselves in a coherent way where we can give valuable feedback to policymakers. I think it's making a difference. Uh, the farm bill today looks, for specialty crops, looks a heck of a lot different than it did back in the 90s. Uh, and we want to continue that valuable, valuable uh, interaction going forward.
Yeah, keep pushing it in the right direction. Cam, I also want to talk to you specifically about potatoes. There have been some issues getting fresh potatoes deep into the country of Mexico. It sounded like those were all sorted out last year, and now it sounds like Mexico might be backsliding. Can you bring us up to speed? What's happening here at the border for potatoes? Yeah, the, you, you characterize it exactly right, Mike. So uh, almost a year ago, um, as, as you may recall, the Mexican industry, uh, getting on eight years ago, when the U.S. was provided with access to, the, to Mexico, the Mexican potato industry sued their own government to prevent that access. Those lawsuits, they invalidated our access, so we were, we were effectively shut out of the market, and it took uh, nearly eight years to resolve those cases. Uh, the Mexican Supreme Court ruled back in April of 2021 unanimously in the U.S.'s favor. And that essentially took the battle out of the legal arena and put it back with the, the Mexican government and USDA to, to enforce, essentially restore the access that we had lost. We knew that was going to be a battle. Um, we'd, we'd, uh, you know, we were kind of shifting shifting the battleground from the legal arena to the regulatory arena. Um, and Mexico, I, I think they're, they're clearly indicating that they're testing the administration. They want to see how far they can get here. Um, we, we had USDA had uh, some Mexican officials uh, tour farms uh, and all of our industry really back in December. Um, at that time, they signed an agreement. And the market was supposed to open just a few weeks after that. Uh, now this agreement is being reinterpreted. And it's being reinterpreted in ways that very obviously are designed to limit or outright block the access that was agreed to. And so I, I think USDA is pushing very hard back against that. Uh, members of Congress um, see what is going on, and they're pushing back. Um, so it, it's... It's really a test of, of, of the U.S. administration of USDA, and I, I think they're going to find that USDA is pretty dug in on this. We had, we had the administrator of APHIS sat down and talked to our uh, group this, this week, and he indicated very clearly Mexico wants some benefits. They want some import access to the United States that they're not going to get unless they implement this agreement for potatoes. So I thought that was a pretty strong message about where USDA yeah. stands. Yeah, good to have a little leverage. That was Cam Quarles from the National Potato Council. Cam, thanks for joining us. And listeners, stick around. When we return, we'll talk with Rob Brenneman of the National Pork Producers Council about gestation stalls coming back into the headlines. Stay with us on AOA. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Now a National Ag Day message brought to you on behalf of Growmark and its FS and Grain Member Cooperatives. American agriculture is the foundation of our country. It's the backbone of a healthy and prosperous nation made possible by the hard work of America's farms and farm families who lead the way in preservation and innovation for the health of our planet. Join the Agriculture Council of America in celebrating National Agriculture Day on March 22nd. Agriculture, growing a climate for tomorrow. Hey, wouldn't it be great if life came with a remote control? You know, you could hit pause when you needed to, or hit rewind. Like that time you knocked down that wasp's nest. Uh-oh. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome. But pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. To learn your risk, take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. Well, wheat markets limit higher once again on this Friday. We saw them limit higher in the overnight trade, and that continues into the day trade. Cord futures also mostly limit higher as well. While the soy complex, we see beans and meal, especially meal, very strong. Bean oil, though, is a little bit weaker here as we work through our Friday morning. 
Now overnight, tensions continued in Ukraine as the Russian military shelled Europe's largest nuclear power plant in southern Ukraine. The risk to crop production in the region uh, definitely increasing as we were watching to see what happens with this situation. We do know there's going to be a lot of worry about even a crop getting planted in Ukraine this year. So we'll be watching that very, very closely. On Friday, USDA reported 3.9 million bushels of soybeans sold to China, 4 million bushels of beans sold to Mexico, and 4.6 million bushels sold to unknown destinations as well all for delivery in 21-22 so that's something that's going to help out this soy market as well as we work through our friday taking a look at numbers right now may corn that's up 32 at three quarters 780 and a half december new crop corn up 33 and a half 645 and a half may beans up 10 at a quarter 1678 november new crop beans down three quarters at 1453 and a quarter soybean meal for may up 12 10 a ton 465.50 Maybe oil down 119 points, 73.62. May Chicago wheat up limit up 75 at 12.09. May Kansas City wheat up limit up 75, 12.25 and a quarter. May spring wheat up limit up 60 and 11.78 and a quarter. In livestock, April live cattle down 212, 136.22 as cattle and hogs under heavy pressure. March feeder cattle down 497, 151.37. April hogs down 330 at 101.90. Crude oil up 509, a barrel 112.76. This is AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. information farmers and ranchers need to know aoa now back to mike pearson welcome back to aoa ladies and gentlemen we are talking about issues impacting agriculture that's what we do here on aoa and one of the issues that's been impacting the hog industry for some time is the use of gestation stalls while sows are pregnant we've seen this bubble up in the news over the past 10 years it picked up speed as california passed their proposition 12 which would mandate specific pen sizes for pregnant animals and now we're seeing additional pushes from activist investors this is a topic that's not going to be going away anytime soon, and I wanted to get to the bottom of it a little bit with Rob Brenneman. Rob is a pork producer in Iowa. He also serves on the board of the National Pork Producers Council. Rob, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us here on AOA today. Thank you for having me on, Mike. Let's start with Proposition 12. That was really in the headlines this past year. It has been put on delay in California. Rob, what else do we know about Prop 12 and its uh, its impact here in that state? So we know Prop 12, like you said, has been delayed. It's been delayed 180 days until, until after the rules are written. They're still working on rules, um, and the next Pork Producers Council is I mean, we, I think we'd love to be involved in helping that, but I think it's been kind of silence. But right now, we're waiting for the Supreme Court to take it up. They, um, every Friday, they come out and decide where, you know, whether or not they're going to do it, but they haven't kicked us out of, the, out of the game yet. So today, we should know again on, by, on Monday if, if they're going to try and pick it up and um, – and, and the goal of that is to, because it, you know, affects the Commerce Clause, it, you know, that to regulate outside of the California boundaries, um, that maybe they're waiting for the rules to be written too. So, so I think that's right. up in limbo today. 
Okay, so we're in limbo. We're still waiting on the Supreme Court. Rob, let's start with the basics, I suppose. We've got a lot of folks who are tuning in right now who might not be active hog producers. A lot of us might have grown up in the industry, but it's changed a lot over the past 20 years in particular, a lot more over the past 50 years. Let's talk about gestation stalls first. Why are they used in hog production? What's the What are the facts that hog producers deal with when they're thinking about getting those pregnant sows all the way through to, uh, to pigging? So... Go back a little bit in time, Mark. A little bit, or Mike. Sorry about that. Um, the you know, you go back to the day we started raising pigs. A lot of the people that are in the industry today are people who started at you know in high school or like me and everybody else. We had pigs outside. Um, you know, we fought the elements. We had a sheds and sows laid on pigs. You got about half what you needed. You did everything you could to keep the pigs alive when you weaned them and the elements and uh, outside facilities just kind of made it difficult, especially with the, uh, with the sows. And so I'd say for the last, from when we graduated from high school in the late 70s, the push has been on to be better every day. And so as we all developed in our lives of raising pigs and dedicated to raising pigs, we kept saying, how can we do it better tomorrow than we did it today? And so as we went through that time frame, it's like, okay, let's, let's move at least the sows inside the farrow. So we did that, and it's, the results were tremendous. You never, and then you come up with the farrowing crate, which helped you get less pigs laid on, and you raise more pigs. So then, then as the process moved along, and we got tired of the mud, and so let's see if we can get the sows inside. So then we started developing. We had pens. We started out with pens inside under a controlled environment. And then as that, as you bred those sows and, you know, they would, it's their nature to fight. Um, they're just, they just fight in the wild. And, and so they would fight a lot in the pens and you'd try and breed them and then they'd ride and they'd fight. And so as a result of that, you were, you know, your fairing rates would run, you know, in the low seventies because they just beat the crap out of each other. And um, so this, how could we do this better? So the first thing we did, I can remember we had some stalls made. We bred into stalls and thought that was pretty cool. It was a lot easier. You know, we started with AI and it was a lot easier to get that accomplished. But then you put them out in the pen and then they'd fight again. And, and so we just kept building off of that and it got to the place where the gestation stall became, you know, you could individually care for that animal. You could individually treat that animal. You could individually breed that animal. And, and, and the sow or the female pig was extremely happy. Um, you know, they didn't get beat up. Yeah. They didn't have to worry about their neighbors. And, and, and the results were higher live born, more sows farrowing. Life was good. You can control it. And that went on for years. Um, and it was a good form. So that's how, that's how they came about. And we've done nothing but improve them. And then um, the rest is coming. Right. The rest is coming. And Rob, that's the thing. Carl Icahn, billionaire activist investor. He's most known, I think, if our listeners have heard his name, he buys companies and then is known for stripping them. He downsizes, he makes them very profitable very quickly. He has been hot on the issue of gestation stalls for some time. In 2012, he pushed McDonald's to eliminate them from their supply chain eventually. And Rob, he's back in the news today with a stronger push against McDonald's. What have we heard from Carl Icahn? What's he trying to do? Well, I think Carl Icahn, you know, he's, he's definitely got a voice. Um, you know, he's got a daughter or granddaughter that's vegan or vegetarian and thinks that um, that person just thinks that it's wrong to have animals, you know, locked up in a stall and not have the ability to turn around. And so McDonald's has been dealing with this subject, like you said, for eight to 10 years, and they've made commitments to to change and, and try and go away from to OPG, which is you breed them in a stall and then move them into pen gestation, which there's a high percentage of higher percentage of those sows being done that way today than there was 10 years ago. And, and, um, and so McDonald's has been working with the National Pork Producers Council and National Pork Board on that subject the entire time. And so they're, they're coming up with a plan, but they want to be able to source product and keep in mind, McDonald's doesn't take the whole pig. So they, they're trying to source a small part of each pig, but that somebody has to pay for all that cost that goes into the rest of the pig. 
And so it becomes a balancing act between the packer and the, the retailer and McDonald's and the pork board and the pork council. So he, and he's jumped back into the game to put pressure on because McDonald's maybe moved it down the road just a little bit till they can get things figured out. Especially after yeah. COVID. And it's it's very frustrating to hear the the approach that Carl Icahn is taking. He only owns about 200 shares of McDonald's, and yet he is pushing this board to do something immediate. And Rob, I understand he has nominated two new folks to the board for McDonald's. And I was wondering, what what do you think more broadly about this this big push? Do you, do you think he's going to find success? I would say no. Uh, I don't, I mean, he might get somebody nominated, but I would say that McDonald's is a big corporation. 200 shares isn't a lot of McDonald's, but you know, he's got a voice, but if his ultimate goal is he always built, buys companies and builds them up and then, then sells them, that's, this isn't in his wheelhouse. And so I don't think he'll be successful, but at the same time, McDonald's is moving towards pin, you know, and, and, and but the combination of stalls. Um, and I, I just think that it's going to be hard for him to push McDonald's over the edge. And even if he's ultimately not successful with this big push, he's keeping it in the news, Rob. And so we continue to see these mandates and these supply chain claims coming from, uh, you know, hog end users. And I'm curious, it, you highlighted the reasons that stalls have worked for the industry. They've worked for the hogs and they've certainly worked for farm laborers. I know we grew up at a pasture hog operation and I've still got a scar on my leg from an ag angry pregnant sow. Um, but the industry is being forced away from them. Rob, what sort of technology? Technologies are we applying to to pen housing to to make it to allow us to still have those advantages that that stalls brought to the table? Okay, so so pen house the technology definitely, Mike, has gotten better in the last five years, and even the last year or two with the use of um, computer feeding and stuff. Um, the hardest part of that is, is there's a distinct difference between Prop 12. And an OPG, and I don't know when you want to get into that, but the technology today, there's, it's almost impossible to to get as good of a, a an animal bred, and you know, with in a crate and hold them there until they're preg checked. It's impossible to get better results than that if you have anything associated with a pen and the writing that happens during that breeding period. For the animal, so uh, because the tends the animals tend to ride when they come into heat, they break other sows down. So there's a big difference between no gestation stalls, period, and and the OPG plan of gestation stalls to confirm pregnant. So the technology in after the confirmed pregnant is with ESF systems that you put a chip in the sows or a tag in the sows ear or the females there, it could be a guilt too. And, the, and they walk up to a, a feeding station and you put anywhere from 50 to 300 sows in a pen, it depends on what size, what kind of system you run. The sows walk up, the door opens, the sow walks into the feeder and it'll feed her the required amount of feed for that animal. And if you wanna vaccinate her or you think she might be sick, it'll actually spray paint that animal. Then you walk into that pen and you can see that animal and make, and then you also can take the iPad or whatever with you, click the sow's ear, read it, and turn around and set the feed drops. And um, am I going into too long on this? Well, Rob, I think we are going to have to have this discussion continued another day. There's so much happening here, and it's incredible to see the American yep. pork producer working so hard to create such a safe yep. product despite the roadblocks yep. that get thrown up. Thanks for joining us today. And folks, stick around. We'll talk Wheat Grower Association goals when we return. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see 
became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Since 2011, the Gary Sinise Foundation's Serving Heroes program has shown gratitude to our nation's defenders and their families by serving up nearly 500,000 hearty classic American meals at travel hubs and military locations. And now, together with our friends at Bob Evans Farms and their Our Farm Salutes program, we will help to provide even more meals nationwide, offering our defenders a taste of home and a feeling of togetherness around the table. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit ourfarmsalutes.com to learn more. While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve together, we can make a difference, bite by bite. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, where we take a close look at the benefits of cooperative ownership. Each week, we'll host a new guest and discuss how you can get the most from working with your local cooperative. And we'll learn why farmers and ranchers just like you choose cooperatives to help them persevere and prosper. Tune in each Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, Farm Radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. For more than 135 years, the editors of Progressive Farmer have provided generations of farmers and ranchers with the information they need and trust to make informed and profitable decisions. We know you need that content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we created our weekly podcast called Field Posts. Join me, Sarah Mock, each week as I interview agriculture's top thought leaders, as well as farming's most diverse team of editors at Progressive Farmer and DTN on a wide range of subject matter. From farm policy and crop production to finances, technology, and so much more, you'll have a front row seat to learn and engage in what's happening in agriculture today. You can find the podcast listed on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or by visiting our website at dtnpf.com backslash field posts. Your diesels are your engines of prosperity, so they deserve the best treatment. And with FS Fuel and Lubricant, you'll give them the gold standard. Diesel X Gold High Performance Fuel plus Suprex Gold ESP Engine Oil. Formulated to work together, they'll keep your diesels running longer and stronger, from farming to construction to trucking. Visit fsgoldstandard.com or talk with your local FS Energy Specialist. FS, bringing you what's next. Heading to Commodity Classic in New Orleans this year? Be sure to stop by the UPL booth to talk with their crop specialists. We also have some exciting news we'll be unveiling that you won't want to miss. Mike Pearson of Agriculture of America will be broadcasting live from the UPL booth on Thursday, March 10th from 9 to 10 a.m. Stop by booth 5320 or listen live at 9 a.m. on the Agriculture of America radio network. We look forward to seeing you at this year's Commodity Classic in New Orleans. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. 
Well, folks, AOA continues on this Friday, March 4th. And yes, we have been talking a lot about the Farm Bill. And no, we're probably not going to see much out of the Farm Bill until after the midterm elections and we get into 2023. But setting the table for those discussions is vital. And this is the time that those discussions get underway. In fact, earlier this week, National Association of Wheat Growers Vice President Nicole Berg had a chance to travel to Washington, D.C. and testify before Congress about the Farm Bill. She joins us today. Nicole, thanks for taking the time to talk with us here on AOA. And thank you, Mike. Thank you for having me. Let's talk about what you discussed there at the hearing. What were you what are you what do you want Congress to keep in place as they start planning ahead for the 2023 Farm Bill? Well, first, Mike, I'd like to thank Chairman Scott and Ranking Member Thompson for actually holding that Title I hearing on Tuesday. It was a definitely a review of what worked and what doesn't work for agriculture. So farmers across the U.S. need to keep a strong safety net for us to create safe, healthy food. So both Title I and Title II are important to make that happen. Yeah, they certainly are. And as you think about the the specific issues of that safety net that, that have really worked, are there any that you'd like to just see rubber stamped and carried forward to the next one? Or do you think they all need a little fine tuning as this farm bill gets rewritten? I think that, that any time equipment, it needs to be fine tuning and have maintenance done. As agriculture changes, as um, different impacts that are impacting us farmers right now, especially with the war in Ukraine, I think that um, we all need to like look at the Title One and the Title Two and take kind of a deep dive into it, especially with regard to maybe reference price. Um, is that really a 550 reference price for wheat? Is that in price? Does it keep farmers in business? Yeah, and I understand you've also got some concerns along the same line with the ARC and the PLC programs. Uh, Nicole, did you have a chance to get into that a little bit while you were in D.C.? What was that again? <laughs> Sorry, you, you like broke up. <laughs> no, that's okay. ARC and PLC programs. Wheat growers would like to see some changes made there. Did you have a chance to discuss those? We did. We talked a lot about the PLC and the ARC, what worked, um, being able to choose between the different programs. Um, each year was a positive in the in the previous farm bill. But one of the things that we found is farmers are having a difficulty with some of the models that are out there that you plug in your, your information, and it's still kind of confusing. Am I supposed to sign up for ARC or PLC, or what fits my business plan the best? And so we would like to, you know, have some conversations with regard to that, as well as staffing of the FSA offices um, across the U.S. It seems to be there's different stories in different counties with regard to service they are they are creating in the different offices well it's certainly good to raise those issues in dc make sure we can get the people we need to get these programs rolled out across the country nicole while we've got you on the line you are a washington wheat producer wheat has been in the spotlight as you mentioned with this uh, russian invasion of ukraine tell me how are your neighbors how are wheat producers out west feeling looking at this year ahead knowing these prices are where they are but also knowing you folks are still struggling with drought out there you know, coming from one of the driest area in the world that grows cereal grains, um, and I only harvested a third of my crop last year, I completely understand the drought and Title II and the safety net with especially crop insurance. Um, we are encouraged by the rising prices, but what we're not encouraged by is the, these input costs that are going up by hundreds of percent of trying to keep us in business. And so as the rising prices and everybody looks at it, and the but there's also volatility in the market. I mean, I've seen limit up and limit down in the last week. And so that's definite volatility. And some marketers are saying that they have never even seen this kind of volatility. So, uh, you know, with the volatility and the rising prices and the drought, farmers, I think, are just going to try to stay in business and make it a career. Yeah, I think that is a theme. And I'm wondering, Nicole, as you think about the, the how dry your area still is, did, are, are we going to see a reduction in wheat acres in the year ahead in Washington and Oregon and some of those places? Um, I don't think so. The Pacific Northwest, we're kind of a monoculture out here. We don't grow corn or soybeans. And so we, we kind of just grow wheat, barley, dry peas kind of concept. Um, I think, though, you might see wheat acres go up just because the input costs are going up 
and it's a little bit less expensive to grow wheat. And so if we can't find inputs, if we can't find the fertilizer to grow corn or soybeans in the Midwest, you know what? They may turn to wheat. Um, but only time will tell when the when the uh, snow melts. Yeah, that's true. And that's getting closer. It's uh, spring will be here before we know it. Nicole, as you think of other priorities that uh, you have at the National Association of Wheat Growers, what, what else should farmers around the country be thinking about as you prepare for this year ahead? I think farmers need to be really cognizant of their input costs and do, we're definitely going to have to be the plan ahead. Try to get your parts in, try to make sure your, your stocks with your fuel um, at, at, you know, trying to get it at a, at a, a decent price, I'll say, but these costs at fuel, I mean, you consumers even see it at the pump. I mean, I'm sure you do too. When you go to the, go fill up your car, you're like, whoa, that's a lot of money. And so when we fill up our tractors, we're doing the same thing. Absolutely. These high input prices are squeezing everyone, and it looks like they are probably going to continue for at least a little while further into the future. Nicole Berg, Vice President of the Board for the National Association of Wheat Growers, thanks for joining us here on AOA this week. I thank you, Mike, and thank you for the invite. You bet. We will always be working to keep in touch with the folks who are helping shape policy out in Washington, D.C. And folks, as we think about this week ahead, there is more news to come. It was announced today, February payrolls were up 678,000. Economists were thinking it might be 450. So big beat there on payrolls. And next week, we get another update on inflation. That core consumer price index gets released. And the economists right now are thinking we might see 8% plus on the inflation. Scale. So there will be more news to come for agriculture next week. Tune in to AOA. We'll bring you all of those stories. Have a great weekend, everyone. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. As a truck driver, I've learned how important road safety is. I know that large trucks need more time and room to stop. That's why I always hang back and follow other vehicles at a safe distance. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're driving, try to remember to always give trucks extra space when you merge in front of them. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Considering an online pharmacy? Explore BeSafeRx to find useful information and resources to help you purchase medicines safely online. A safe online pharmacy requires a doctor's prescription. Has an address in the United States, has a licensed pharmacist, and is licensed by a state pharmacy board. It's best to stay away from online pharmacies that don't meet these criteria. Discover more helpful tips and resources at BeSafeRx. Go to fda.gov slash BeSafeRx.